Thank you for joining us for the Tucson Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Brent Armstrong. This podcast features the messages from the teaching and preaching ministry at our church. Tucson Baptist Church is located in Tucson, Arizona, and we are committed to loving God, growing together, and reaching our community. If you would like to learn more about our ministry, please visit TucsonBaptist.com. We pray that today's message is an encouragement to you. We are so blessed uh, to have so many involved in our ministry here, and I I thank all of those who have participated uh, this morning. Uh, We are going to begin a brand new series, and it's going to take us several months to go through uh, the five chapters of 1 John. And I would encourage you to take some good notes along the way. We provide an opportunity for you to take notes, and so ushers, if you'll help me this morning and make your way to the front, uh, I would like to ask you, if you did not receive a copy of the notes, to uh, just raise your hand, and our men will help you with that. Uh, then I'd like to, before we begin our message, just take a moment and, and just uh, express my appreciation for uh, other things that happen in our church that uh, make me as a pastor very proud. I'm, I'm looking for Dwight Meadows. Uh, he may be out in the lobby if he could step in for just a moment. Uh, Dwight uh, Meadows, if you'll step in. Um, uh, uh, obviously, we are aware that there's a uh, border uh, patrol sector here that uh, is part of Tucson, and uh, no matter what your opinion is, I'm thankful that we have those who are willing to serve our country, and uh, and uh, we have a situation happen where one of the border patrol agents was killed in the line of duty a couple weeks ago, and um, and out of our church, uh, uh, Dwight Meadows serves as a chaplain. He was tasked with um, uh, helping uh, put together all of the proceedings that were necessary for the funeral service yesterday that took place here in Tucson. And uh, he represented our church well. But, along, uh, uh, but alongside him, Dan Somerville, if you'll please stand. Uh, he had a task of helping be with the family through this tragedy. And, um, and then also uh, 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 Joseph Crick was there representing the uh, Border Patrol. Um, if he would please step in, um, I think... Uh, Joseph Crick, if you'll please step in. He also was tasked with uh, being a part of the, uh, uh, representing the Border Patrol. Uh, Keith B., if you'll please stand, representing the Pima County Sheriff's Department. Uh, Pastor Jonathan of our own pastoral staff came alongside Dwight to just to be a support and help. Um, it, while it was a very sad time as a pastor, I was thrilled that in our own church, we were able to help this family and our community go through this. And uh, I think a, po- a polite applause of thank you to these men who serve. Thank you so much, men. I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, our church has many different facets to it. And, and, uh, and I'm so thankful that we have men and ladies who uh, love the Lord and love our community and are willing to serve right here in our community. Now, I have met a couple of folks you're visiting from out of town. I, I, I want to apologize to you. When I came to Tucson, I was told that this was a desert. And here you've come to Tucson thinking that you were coming to a desert. And we have suddenly discovered over the last three weeks that we're no longer a desert. We're tropical, Tucson. We have humidity. We have weeds that are now to your knee. We have, um, we have growth galore. Who could have ever known that, the, that Mount Lemmon could be so green? It's incredible. Tropical Tucson. I hereby declare the drought is over. 
We will not complain about the rain, but the humidity can go away. <laughs> what, uh, what, an, what an interesting time. Um, I have to begin just to tell you a story. So on Friday night going into Saturday morning, um, it poured the rain down. How many of you got rain? It just rained and rained and rained. In fact, when I came in Saturday morning, the wash is completely full of water, and, and, uh, and all, of the, uh, all of our residents under the bridge had decided to go visit somewhere else. So, I mean, uh, it was wet. Well, during the night, in the middle of the night, we heard this animal that was crying. Now, we don't have any dogs or cats, and, and it was just raining. And so I got up, and, and it woke Shelly up, and we, I got out of fly sight. It sounded like it was on our back porch, and, and maybe there was a cat, or maybe it was a, a, a bobcat, or maybe it was a, a dog that had gotten separated. But we just heard this incessant, like, crying. And we, I got the fly sight. I'm looking underneath the table. It's the middle of the night, and... and uh, um, and I cannot find this animal. And Shelly says, I found it. And so I, I came to where Shelly was, and she says, it's right there. We had a frog the size of the end of my finger. <laughs> I am not exaggerating even in the littles. It was the size of my little finger that was making this bleeding sound like it, like, the, like it was in pain. It was hurting. Maybe it was separated from mom. I don't know. But it woke both of us up and we're trying to find this animal that somehow, um, uh, oh, what a night it was. We did not sleep much Friday night. All right, some of you still didn't smile. I don't know what it's going to take. I'm thankful I'm here this morning, and it is good to be in church. All right, let's get into our study this morning. We're going to begin a multi-month series on the book of 1 John. I've entitled this morning's message, Now That's Fellowship of the 12 apostles uh, who were personally taught by the Lord Jesus. My favorite is John. We're going to look at John. Now, I most uh, definitely identify better with Peter, who was uh, more forceful, outspoken, impetuous, and, and often put his foot in his mouth. That's me. But I love John. I've learned a lot about John. John was devoted, and he was, uh, he was, he, he was just such a passionate follower of Jesus. Uh, we first meet John uh, in, in, there in the New Testament. He was a brother to James. They were both fishermen. And Jesus calls them, instead of fishing for fish, I want you to be fishers of men. And in total abandon, John, he left his nets and he did something really strange. He followed Jesus. Um, we see his passion in the title, Jesus conferred uh, on, uh, on the brothers. He called James and John not the sons of Zebedee, but he called them the sons of, do you know what he called them? The sons of thunder. Uh, Peter, James, and John, they formed the inner three, an inner circle of the 12 disciples. They witnessed more of the greater events than the other nine John wrote the most personal and passionate of the four Gospels in which he identifies himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. One other mark that set John apart is that he was the only surviving apostle of the church. All of the others had been martyred for their faith, and yet John had been spared because God had a purpose for him, and that is to write. He wrote these three general epistles which bear his name. He also uh, penned the prophetic visions of Revelation while he was exiled uh, on the Isle of Patmos. John truly was 
a remarkable man. Picture with me this grizzled old apostle. He's now in his late 80s, early 90s. His eyes are weak. Perhaps his hands ached from arthritis. Yet his spirit burns brighter than ever. And the Holy Spirit comes upon John and he instructs John to sit down and to pen this book. And using a crude old desk, he begins to write what is referred to as a letter. And John's in letter is an invitation to fellowship. This letter is an invitation to fellowship. And we have a basic understanding of fellowship. There is a wonderful spirit of love and cooperation right here at TBC. And we minister to each other and we try to meet each other's needs. Uh, we also offer an invitation for others to, to come and be a part of us. It was great this morning. We had four uh, families in our uh, new members class. Uh, and what a, great, uh, what a great joy it is that others want to come and find out and be a part of our church. All right, let's stand together and we're going to be introduced to the first four verses of 1 John chapter number 1. First four verses of John chapter number 1. I'll read the two odd verses, and you read verse 2 and verse number 4, okay? If you do not have a Bible, there's one in the row where you are, or the words will be on the screen behind me. Let's see what John penned as a letter. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, for we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Father, we're studying your word, and I ask that you will help us to understand your word. May your Holy Spirit guide and control, convict and encourage May your Holy Spirit have preeminence this morning to move. And Father, I pray that when we leave here, we'll be encouraged. We've learned something from your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you. May be seated. Today we begin an epic journey whenever we study a new book of the Bible. And we've done that through these past 12 years studying many books of the Bible. We will go verse by verse, phrase by phrase, and sometimes word by word where necessary. And over the next several months, you will know right exactly where we'll be on Sunday morning. And so I would encourage you. Would you make 1 John a part of your reading schedule? Really, you can read the entire book of 1 John in one setting, but maybe if that's too much, tackle one chapter per day. So five out of seven days, read one chapter in the book of 1 John. Together, we will learn so much, and here's the, here's the entire reason we do this. We learn more about our faith. We learn more how to love the Lord Jesus Christ, and we have spiritual food that sustains us for going through this, uh, this march, this journey that we call the Christian life. And so we're going to venture into several topics that impact our church and our families and our own personal lives, and I know that we can all benefit from this. So let me begin by telling you a little bit about 
what John's really trying to do here. I'll do that through a story. Don Graham, he writes about a young woman whose name was Linda. And Linda was traveling alone on, a, uh, on an old highway up in Alberta in the Yukon. Has anyone ever been in the Yukon in Alberta? Uh, I have never been there. Only just a, a couple people. Well, I understand that it's rough and rugged up there. And Linda didn't know uh, that much about the white horse area. But uh, she was alone in her rundown Honda Civic. And so she, she, only, she was going where normally only four-wheel, four-wheel drive vehicles went. The first evening, she found a, a room in the mountains near a summit and asked for a 5 a.m. wake-up call um, so she could get an early start. So she got up early the next morning, uh, but there was fog on the mountaintops. And she went to breakfast. There were two truckers there sitting in the small little uh, uh, motel that, that she had stayed. And, um, and since it was so small, uh, uh, she heard one of the truckers, oh, come and join us this morning. And so she felt obliged, and the trucker said, where are you headed? She said, I'm headed to White Horse. They looked outside and they said, in that Civic? No way. That pass is too dangerous. And the weather today especially looks like it's dangerous. And, and Linda, she had a gutsy reply. She said, well, I'm determined to do it. And, uh, and, uh, and, and one of the truckers uh, said, then, then I guess we're going to have to hug you. And she recoiled. And she said, no way, you're not going to touch me. And and the the trucker laughed, oh, not like that. Uh, We're going to put one truck in front of you and one truck in the rear, and you're going to get right in between us, and you're going to stay close to us, and we're going to go through that mountaintop together. So on that uh, foggy morning, Linda, uh, she followed those two little red dots in front of her, and they went through the mountain pass where the mountain was fogged in, and both of these truckers were experienced. They knew the road where Linda didn't know the road, and she had an escort all the way through those mountains, and she safely went through and reached her destination of Whitehorse. Now, this is a ridiculous story to tell you that she said, I got hugged that day. And I read that story, and I says, you know what? That's exactly what the Apostle John is doing. He's trying to teach us how to hug one another. And what he means is there's, there's people who are experienced in the church. They have some, uh, they're seasoned veterans. They have some spiritual maturity. They've been through the battles. Uh, they understand. And yet you have some brand new baby Christians that, that are just beginning this, uh, this course called life, the Christian life. And there are, there are dangers ahead. There's fog. There's impassable roads. And so we like to surround those new members, those new baby Christians, those who may be struggling because they have a run-down old Honda Civic and that they're not sure they can make it. And we like to hug those people to help all of us be successful. So that's what this series is all about. Um, John invites us to be hugged. He invites us in verse number 3 to have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father, and His Son, Jesus Christ. We're invited to have what I call a vertical relationship, vertical fellowship with God, as well as a horizontal fellowship, a hug, if you will, with His people, the church. John's letter is also meant to correct error. 
Most likely he wrote this letter from Ephesus at a time in which the early church was rapidly expanding. And at this time there was a growing belief uh, system known as Gnosticism. Now we don't use that word today. Uh, it comes from the Greek word gnosis. It means knowledge. The Gnostics claimed to have some type of special knowledge that ordinary Christians lacked. They believed that the material world, including the human body, that it was evil and that the spiritual world was pure and good. And, and the Gnostics, they denied the incarnation and the atonement of Jesus. They, they were fraught with serious error. Uh, they claimed Jesus, he was he was nothing more than an inspired teacher who had a greater understanding of secret knowledge and spiritual powers and mystical moments. And they considered the beliefs of the ordinary Christian life to be crude and awkward and perhaps even superstitious. And though Gnosticism from 2,000 years ago has long since faded, the fragments of that can still be seen today in what we call liberalism and modernism and new age philosophies that are so prevalent around us today. John wanted believers to do this. He wanted them to walk in truth, to walk in the fellowship of truth. So we all can get much out of this study of 1 John by reading through the letter each week, jotting down some questions and insights. And if you hear something in a morning message, please uh, email me or text me and say, I didn't understand this. Can you uh, provide an explanation? And we want you to completely uh, um, uh, understand this book of John. Now, when I study the Bible, I love how it works together. Don't you love our Bible that there's no errors in our Bible? Truly, our Bible is amazing. When I look at the Gospel of John and I look at 1 John, it's amazing how many similarities there are. In fact, the Gospel of John places an emphasis on salvation. But 1 John places an emphasis on sanctification. Sanctification. The Gospel of John focuses on the events of the past. It gives us a history lesson. And yet 1 John focuses on uh, the, uh, uh, the events of our lives today. 1 John focuses on our lives today. The main message of the Gospel of John is this. Jesus died for us. But the message of 1 John is this. Jesus lives in us. What a great truth. The Gospel of John tells us that the word Jesus was made flesh. 1 John teaches us that the word was made real in us. I'm so thankful that the same writer was able to look at the past, look at the present, and give us a bright future. The fellowship we have today with God and his people, it is precious, and John doesn't want us to take it for granted. He invites us to partake deeply of his fellowship for five reasons. Now, I'll be brief this morning. Um, my message is not long, but let's jump into this as we examine these, uh, these uh, first four uh, verses, and let me give you five fellowship reasons. Fellowship reason number one, our fellowship is eternal. Our fellowship is eternal. When I say our fellowship is eternal, there are those who teach that once you die, that's it. May I just tell you that when we die, our fellowship's just beginning. 
There's something great and grand and glorious that awaits us after physical death. But here's what I see that John is teaching us, that our fellowship is not new. It's not something that's new. We sit here in this year 2021 in the midst of the information age. Technology races forward. Everything seems to be new. There's new religions and new belief systems. They're popping up seemingly every day. When John first penned this letter at the end of the first century, Christianity, it was a new thing. In verse number one, John speaks of that which was from the beginning. And he was, and he was talking about the word of life. One scholar says this means what has always from the beginning been true about the word of life. In other words, John does not give us something that is new. It's something that's novel. He does not introduce some new innovation or a divine afterthought. Rather, what John is doing here, he is faithfully proclaiming that what has always been true about God is still true about God. What has always been true about Jesus Christ is still true about Jesus Christ. He, he teaches us here that our fellowship began in eternity past. Our fellowship began in eternity past. What is meant by from the beginning? Some say it means the beginning of the gospel or the first advent or the coming of Jesus or the beginning of the Christian era. Um, the Christian era. So, however, when compared with other events in 1 John, and when you compare it with the fourth gospel of John, it's evident that John here is referring to the beginning of time as we understand it. Do you remember that verse in Genesis chapter 1? It says this, in the beginning, God. John chapter 1, verse 1 and 2 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the same was in the beginning with God. Revelation 13 and verse 8 describes Jesus as the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. And here's what I discover when I read the Bible. Before creation, God looked forward to you and me. Think about that. God knew that today you would sit at Tucson Baptist Church. God knew you would be alive. The God of the universe knows what you're thinking about this morning. The God of the universe knows those who should have been at church and made a decision not to come to church. The God of the universe knows those who are without him. And today they'll hear about his son, Jesus Christ, through both song and message. Before creation, God knew you. By the way, the Bible says that. Ephesians 1 verse 4, as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. Hallelujah this morning. I am not an afterthought. You are not an afterthought. And no matter where you are today, no matter what stresses and strains and concerns and cares, no matter if you feel you're insignificant, and no matter if you feel uh, whatever those feelings are, that, that I'm not worthy to be here, I'm not worthy, nobody cares about me, I just want to die and go eat worms. Man, no matter what your attitude is, may I just tell you, you're not an afterthought with God. Before the foundation of the world, he knew you, and he had a plan for you. This message that we proclaim, the gospel that we believe, the Savior in whom we trust, it is all eternal. He has always been, and verse 2 reminds us in that Jesus, we have eternal life that is with the Father. Fellowship reason number one is our fellowship is what? Please help me. Fellowship reason number one, our fellowship is? 
It's eternal. It's not a new concept. It was before the foundation of the world. Fellowship reason number two that I look at this morning that John is writing about, and he teaches us that our fellowship is historical. Our fellowship is historical. Jesus, the word of life, has been from the beginning. He's eternal, and yet the eternal word entered through human history at the fullness of times, and God became a man, and, and, and that man, Jesus, dwelt among us. And John was an eyewitness of his majesty. He says in John 1, in verse number 14, And the word was made flesh, dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And here are three ways that I look at this uh, passage of Scripture this morning that I see that, that this is verified historically. Number one, I, I, when I read the Word of God, I see that the apostles, they heard Him. The apostles heard Him. John speaks of Jesus, which we have heard in verse number one. Imagine what it must have been like to physically hear the words of Jesus Christ that we now read some 2,000 years later. John first heard Jesus call he and his brother to abandon their fishing business and immediately to become fishers of him. And the Bible says straightway or immediately they followed him in Matthew chapter 4. John heard Jesus teach. Think about that. John heard Jesus teach on the Sermon on the Mount. John heard the countercultural message uh, that was preached. He heard him elevate the scripture and he heard him downplay man made traditions. John heard Jesus speak words of authority. He heard demons cry out in response um, and helplessly obey the commands of Jesus. And the Bible even says in James 2, the demons trembled in, the, in, in front of Jesus. John heard Jesus speak of creation. The Bible says this, that at the word of Jesus, the wind stopped and the waves stilled. John heard Jesus rebuke the hypocritical religious leaders of the day. In fact, Jesus called them a generation of vipers or snakes. He pointed out their reckless, self-glorifying religion. John heard Jesus speak words of grace, words of forgiveness. He heard him say to the woman who was caught in sin, Woman, where are thine, those accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? And then you can hear the change in tone of voice. Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. John heard the voice of Jesus from the cross. Jesus said to his mother, Mary, Woman, behold thy son. He said to John from the cross, Behold thy mother. John heard him cry from the cross, It is finished. And he took his last breath and died. Oh, John heard Jesus after he was resurrected. For the Bible records Jesus saying, Peace be unto you. As my Father has sent me, even so, I, so send I you. John heard Jesus speak words of commission. He looked at John and he looked at the other apostles and he said this, Feed my sheep. John heard him say, all power, all authority is given unto me. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father. Teaching them. Uh, as an old man, he continued fulfilling that commission. I tell you, there's historical accuracy in the word of God. And we know that John and the other apostles heard 
the voice of Jesus. But I submit to you also that the apostles saw him. The apostles saw him. They witnessed him in the flesh. They looked upon him. This means to deeply, to study like a fine painting or a beautiful landscape. John saw Jesus heal all manner of ailments. He saw the blind made to see, the lame made to walk, lepers who were made clean, and even the dead, Lazarus. Raised to life. John saw Jesus stop a funeral. John saw Jesus defy nature. Jesus walked on water. And his friend Peter did too. John saw Jesus turn water to wine. John saw Jesus feed the multitudes on multiple occasions. And one up to, tw- up to 5,000. They say could have been up to 20,000 people. John saw him transfigured in glory on Mount Hermon. John saw him take little children into his arms and bless those little children. John saw Jesus with righteous indignation as he cleansed the temple. John saw him falsely tried, beaten, and hung on a cross. John saw him suffer for the sins of all mankind for a period of six hours and then saw him die. John saw the empty tomb. The Bible says outrunning Peter. John saw Jesus in resurrected form on the beach in Galilee. John saw him ascend in the book of Acts back to heaven. John records the words of Thomas in John chapter 20. Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. I submit to you, not only did John hear, but John saw Jesus. But then thirdly, the apostles, John included, the Bible says, touched him. He wasn't a ghost. John says in verse number one of our study, our hands have handled him. John had physically touched Jesus, and I imagine Jesus being physically affectionate in that culture. It was not uncommon to kiss both cheeks and to give hugs and embraces. And John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, had his feet washed by Jesus at the Last Supper. And the Bible says there he leaned on his breast at the supper time in John chapter 21. And it's likely John was the one who helped remove Jesus' body from the cross and laid him in that borrowed tomb. And like the other disciples, John touched his resurrected body, putting his hands in the nail wounds. It was John to the Gnostics who could say, God appeared in the flesh, and I know because I touched him, and he touched me. I tell you, there's historical accuracy for this man, Jesus. And John establishes that. Oh, help me out here. Fellowship reason number one is our fellowship is number one. It's eternal. Our fellowship, number two, is historical. There is a book that gives us historical accuracy for what we're teaching this morning. Fellowship, number, uh, fellowship reason number three this morning, and then John teaches us that our fellowship is shared. Our fellowship is shared. What do I mean by that? John was a reliable witness. John was a reliable witness. He said in verse 2, the life of Jesus was manifested or made known and we have seen him and we bear witness. It's as though John is testifying as a key witness in a trial. And we know that true witnesses don't speak of what they've seen secondhand, but what they've seen firsthand. John has firsthand authority. 
John was a commissioned messenger. John was a commissioned messenger. Not only did John bear witness, but the Bible says he also showed or declared. Declare means to proclaim or announce. And John, through his pen, through his withered hand, through his weathered body, he is writing to us and declaring that eternal life which was with the Father. It was manifested unto us. Some 1,900 years later, we continue John's mission announcing that Jesus, Jesus is eternal life to all who will believe. Fellowship reason number three, as we just looked at, is that it is shared. We should also share in that today. But then I find fellowship reason number four is that our fellowship, and I like this, it's starting to get personal, our fellowship is intimate. Our fellowship is intimate. I mentioned by way of introduction uh, that we have intimate horizontal fellowship. In verse number 3, John tells us why uh, that which the, uh, the apostles have seen and heard, they declare or proclaim to others that ye also may have fellowship with us. Now, the original 12 had their share of petty human squabbles as, as any group would. Do we ever have petty squabbles here in church? Yes. I heard someone this morning said, someone's in my seat. This morning. I said, do you want me to go move? He goes, oh, no, that's okay. We can have petty squabbles. Now, I'm so sorry. You guys have taken the seats of somebody. They always sit in the front. Oh, no, there's plenty of seats in the front. (laughs) It's usually toward the back that people get their seats taken. You can always move forward. There's plenty of seats at the front. We have petty squabbles just like the 12 had. However, Imagine, just imagine with me the depth of their relationships in those early days of the church as the Holy Spirit came and was given to live within them. Imagine the bonds that were forged and the, uh, for the eternal name of God the Father, Jesus Christ. Above all, you know what they wanted to do when this happened? They wanted to share it with others. It made that much of a difference. Fellowship comes from a Greek word koinonia, and it means partnership. And even more literally, it means sharing. Fellowship is not some potluck dinner. It's not an evening of spades. Fellowship is the giving and receiving of our lives to one another. I don't know how I would live without the fellowship of our church. I couldn't make it without the fellowship of my brothers and sisters in Christ. I am so thankful that you are my brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you. You know what Christianity really is? Christianity is a one another relationship. Christianity is a one another. Um, I don't like the word religion because what we don't do, what we are not doing is religious. What we have is we are sharing the details of one another's life. And we can help one another. Oh, we can have an intimate vertical relationship. And if you're here this morning visiting with us, perhaps you've been attending for some time and checking out church, thank you for being here. But if you do not have an intimate vertical relationship with God the Father through His son, Jesus Christ, you cannot understand this morning's message. It doesn't make sense. What in the world is he talking about? John says that the apostles want to have fellowship with us because truly our fellowship is with the Father and his son, Jesus Christ. 
if we share in the fellowship of the apostles horizontally, then we can only share that fellowship uh, of the Father through His Son vertically. And earlier, if you remember back in the Gospel of John, he, he shared a recorded part of Jesus' great high priestly prayer. He said this, Neither pray I uh, for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. My friend, if you're here today and you do not have a vertical relationship with Jesus Christ, when you die, your eternity is certain, but it's in a place that's forever separated from all of those who know Jesus Christ. It's a place of separation for all of those who have rejected the gospel message. We should have a oneness with the Lord. We should have a oneness with each other. And that can only happen through Jesus Christ. Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Has there been that time of accountability when you said, I know I'm a sinner. God, forgive me of my sins. I believe what Jesus Christ has done. I accept him, and by faith, I place my faith and trust in him. Have you ever done that? If you've never done that, I urge you to do that today. Help me out now. Fellowship reason number one. Our fellowship is number one, eternal. Fellowship number reason number two. Our fellowship is historical. The Bible is amazing. It gives us the history of fellowship. Number three, our fellowship is? It's shared. Number four, our fellowship is? Intimate. Do you have an intimate relationship with God the Father, God the Son, that's evidenced by God the Spirit living within you? That brings us to our fifth and final reason. Fellowship reason number five, our fellowship is joyful. Our fellowship is joyful. I've heard a lot of joy this morning. Wasn't the choir joyful this morning? They sang, a, they sang a beloved old song. I love that first song. It's powerful. It's rich in doctrine. They sang a new song. And then they sang congregational. And we could see the joy. You sang. We could hear you. There's been some joy this morning. Do you know that should be the standard? Not an exception. Our fellowship should be joyful. John says this, And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. I love it when someone leaves and they tell me, Pastor, I'm overflowing with joy this morning. My cup runneth over. What they mean is, they've come to church. A need has been met. It's been great to be in God's house. John recorded Jesus' word in John 15. He said this, These things have I spoken unto you, that your joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Now, this kind of joy, Jesus said in John 16, No man can take from you. Oh, happiness can be zapped from you, but joy, if you know Jesus Christ, can never be snatched from you. Peter wrote this, whom having not seen, ye love, and whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Someone said it this way, joy is the flag that flies over the castle of our hearts announcing that the king 
is in residence. Can we think about that for just a moment? Joy is the flag that flies over the castle of our hearts that announces the king is in residence. Could everyone look here for just a moment? If you say, I know Jesus Christ is my personal Lord and Savior, say amen. Amen. We're not ashamed of that. I know him. I'm thankful for him. Every morning I talk to him. During the day I talk to him. And he's never asleep. He's He's never too busy. I don't understand how all that works. I just know it's real. Because he answers real requests in my life. But I want to ask you. Everyone looking up this way. If this quote be true, and we could put that back up on the screen. If our heart represents whether Jesus Christ lives there or not, is the flag flying this morning? Is the flag revealed this morning? Jesus Christ is real. And he's living in my heart. If we look at your life, would we know, man, they love the Lord? Or would we look at you this morning and say, ah, I'm not so sure. They come to church. I don't know that the flag of their hearts declares Jesus Christ is home. So here's your invitation this morning. Come through this series of messages, fellowship with our, with our eternal God and our family. Come every week. Let's fellowship together. Let's learn what fellowship is all about. Let's learn how we can debunk some errors that John teaches about. Let's learn how we can have joy full uh, that overflows. Let's see if we can learn that this morning. If you're here this morning and Jesus Christ is not your Lord and King, I implore you to make the most important decision you'll ever make. Give your life to him. It's never a mistake. It's never wrong. It's the best, most important decision you'll ever make in life. But I know that I'm talking to hundreds and hundreds of Christians this morning. Does the flag of joy resonate out of your heart that declares to everyone else, yes, I'm in love with Jesus. Yes, Jesus lives in my heart. Christians, how about you? Where's your joy? Do you have joy? Not based on circumstances. Not based on income. Not based on where you live. Not based on the kind of car you drive. Not based on what you put on this morning. But does your joy derive from a relationship with Jesus Christ? Because the Holy Spirit resides in you. 